Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast, souping up the homo sapien. Welcome to Level Up Human! Hello and welcome to Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast panel show where we are going to try and change the human species and make it better. Today we're joined by illustrious guests. Seated on my immediate right, we have Karis Bradley. Karis, I have so many questions because you're a comedian, a podcaster and a researcher. So first of all, have you got anything to plug? Uh, I have my own podcast which people may enjoy, despite the fact that it is nothing like this one. Um, it's, a, it's called The Coming Out Tapes. It's an audio archive of LGBT stories. It's interviews of people from the community about how they came out and that kind of thing. Check it out. Um, also, though, I'm aware that your PhD was in the darknet drug marketing. And I'll be perfectly honest, I have no idea what the darknet actually is. I've always just assumed it was like a goth version of Google. <laughs> uh, I mean... Yeah, pretty much. No, it's not. It's um. So for my PhD, I studied websites on a place called the dark web. So the dark web uh, is basically defined by two characteristics. Firstly, um, the uh, websites themselves can't be accessed through search engines. So there isn't any kind of word that you can put into Google which is going to get you onto a dark website. You actually have to know the URL that you're trying to visit. And the second thing is that you have to have um, a different kind of web browser to visit these websites. So the most commonly used one is called Tor. um, And uh, this gets you onto websites that are hosted by uh, the Tor network. And you basically can download it for free just in the same way that you would download Google Chrome or Mozilla Firefox. So if you, if you Google Tor, then that'll take you to where you want to download it. Just, just so like you're, you're aware of this, the way you're giving us instructions here, you're kind of suggesting everybody here uses the dark web. Well, Are there advantages to it? So, so it's not illegal for you to use the dark web. And the, the dark web is one of the main functions, one of the main reasons why people use it is because instead of... Uh, your computer connecting directly with the website that you're trying to visit or the server hosting the website you're trying to visit, which means that people can see what kind of websites you're, you're going on. Um, that, pa- uh, that connection is actually passed through several other people's computers, and the idea is that it breaks a link between your computer and the website. So people use things like Tor um, because it makes it harder for other people, say governments, to track their online activity. Um, so if you wanted greater anonymity from your government, then you might use it. But also, it makes it harder for companies to collect lots and lots of data on you. So if you're also like a bit bored of targeted advertising or you feel uncomfortable with the amount of information that Google has on you, then you can use something like Tor to kind of get around that as well. And it's not illegal for you to do that. It's illegal for you to buy drugs on the internet, um, but that's because it's illegal to buy drugs, not because you're using the dark web. Okay, I've got a secondary question. I have to just follow this up on because I, I don't meet many people who have a dark net with it, dark web research. Have you got any Bitcoin? Um, so I don't have Bitcoin, but that's mostly because I'm quite 
boring um, and I don't really like spending money. I don't have anything against Bitcoin. Um, so if, if you've never encountered Bitcoin before, it's what we call a cryptocurrency, which is basically, it's an online currency that relies on some actually really interesting maths um, for people to be able to trade That's a bit of an oxymoron. Or it's like basically magic. It is fantastic. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's... Uh, this great currency is decentralized, and that means that there's no organization um, that gets to decide who's allowed to buy and sell Bitcoin. So there's not like a bank of Bitcoin that says, no, I think you're using this fraudulently. I think you're giving this to people that we don't like. We're shutting down your bank account. Anyone can create a Bitcoin account, um, and they can trade it with, with anyone. As long as they have money, they're allowed to spend it. Um, and that's really great if you think that you're being persecuted by your government with them stopping you from accessing your bank account. It means that you can buy lots of things. Um, the fact that a large group of people have to come together and collectively decide the value of things means that that value changes all the time. So you might hear about some people trying to invest in Bitcoin, um, which I wouldn't recommend. Like You shouldn't be using it to try and make money because it's quite a volatile currency. Um, so there are some people who bought some Bitcoin and then the next day it was worth like thousands more than it was the day before. And there are some people who put thousands of money into Bitcoin and they lost all of that money. So. Thank you. I've just always wondered those things. Also, selling drugs on the internet, very profitable for some people, not for others. You do need to know what you're doing. And you've got a PhD in, in it. Wow. So, if anyone, and I'm, yeah, I have a PhD and no job. So if anyone's looking for a business venture, we can chat after the recording. <laughs> that's, that's why we're here. We're also joined by Vanessa Lowe. Now, you're a researcher at Queen Mary and you're looking into fixing hearts. Yeah, so quite literally mending broken hearts so <laughs> so I'm looking into ways to help people from recovering from a, from a heart attack so at the moment because of the improvement in medical advances people are surviving heart attacks a lot more frequently which is amazing however parts of their heart that were affected by that heart attack die and become fibrotic and they don't beat as well so that person then goes on to get heart failure so we're trying to find ways to help that piece of the heart that's got basically a permanent scar to Did regenerate say, and fix itself. Sorry to interrupt. Yep. Did you say become fibrotic? Uh, yes, fibrotic. What scar does that tissue, mean? Sorry, fibrotic is scar tissue. So, okay. Yeah. So. Right, so you get scar tissue in your heart yes. and you survive, but then the scar tissue causes you problems. Yeah. So instead okay. of your heart making new heart tissue, it replaces that heart tissue that died during the heart attack with a scar tissue as a, like a temporary structure. And that doesn't have any beating or contractile function so it doesn't help the heart it just Got makes you. it worse and then the heart you've actually you've raised something that i've always kind of wondered because I'm, yeah. I'm an evolutionary biologist i'm aware there's so many organisms out there that don't have yes. scarring they've, yes. they've got a way around it so this might sound very strange what's the advantage of scarring why is a scar ever good so the initial is that it's a quick fix it's an initial quick fix as a temporary structure. Is it not just that they're really attractive to the ladies? Is that not why they get <laughs> maybe not in your Maybe not in your heart, though that's a good way of describing several you know, previous relationships. I've got six scars in my heart. Yeah, every time your heart's been broken, you have a tiny little scar where it's oh. been behind. No, um, yeah, so yeah, your body's quick fix to repair the heart, so it stops it from rupturing. So as if you have all this dead tissue and it gets cleared away, you just have a hole in your heart which would just leak. I think between us there, not only have we discovered a way of fixing a heart, we've also developed a perfect sort of emo tattoo. <laughs> we landed. And we're also joined by our pet human. It's Rachel Wheelie. Hello. Okay. So before we get into the sci-fi future and try and imagine what we'd like to see in the next stage of human evolution, our panel have brought along some new stories to show us where we are right now. Can we start with you, Vanessa? What yes. is your new story? Uh, so there was a group in Harvard that have essentially created a, a heart attack vaccine. So some people may have heard of genome editing or CRISPRs, which are ways to change how your genome is permanently. Um, so they've come up with a way, well, they found a gene that increases how much like cholesterol and bad fat is in your blood. Um, and they found a way to cut that out. So cut that out of your liver. So your liver produces that particular gene. 
So they have already tested this and they've um, injected basically a virus or some form of little molecule that holds this gene editing tool mm -hmm. into the bodies of originally mice and it reduced all of their cholesterol by like 50%. Um, and there are people in like already that just happen to have a mutation in this particular gene and they have less of a chance of having a heart attack. So their theory at the moment is if you just inject this gene to stop this cholesterol increasing gene then you could reduce people's chances of a heart attack in one hit just one one vaccine it seems so strange that we're actually thinking of these things of a uh, genetic modification for for chance though because this yeah. is definitely one which is also connected to say diet and other yes. parts of our life it's yeah. not that you're guaranteed to have a heart attack no but there are there are certain people that have a, a predisposed so people with hypercholesteremia they have a chance that like, higher chance of having heart disease or coronary heart event in their 30s and 40s when they're really young because of the mutation in that gene so that if you target those people they have a lower chance of heart disease and if maybe someone's getting older or you can see that their like their diet's bad then maybe you could give that one vaccine to at least reduce that chance of a yeah. heart attack later it changes the balance in your favor that's a yeah. nice way of we can eat about. as much mcdonald's as we like it's ideal brilliant <laughs> chaos what's your new story what have you got with you uh, well, I'm not a biologist, which means that I find all news stories about the human body fascinating. Uh, and I read one recently which said that scientists think that they have demonstrated that when you're in a scary situation, your bones secrete a hormone that can instigate the fight or flight reflex. Um, and previously we thought that this was coming from like hormones like adrenaline, and that's what mm. kind of got it started um uh but now they think that you also have this system in your bones um and they uh did some experiments on mice where they made them smell um fox pee uh but then they also did the same experiments on humans where they put them in stressful situations like oh no you're going to be late for a play at the barbican <laughs> and you can tell that because it's the fifth announcement, and so you've only got four more before the show actually starts. Um, and uh, is that going to be have to be cut? Like, yeah, but, how I, much just, but, but I loved it anyway. You know, that's, the, that's, um, for subs, that's for like patrons only. That's, the, that's, that's for like the a, trailer. Um, <laughs> now, so they, so they put humans in in stressful situations, but the stressful situations were just kind of like they were modern day anxiety inducing situations, not exposing you to predators. Um, and they found that there was this hormone being sort of secreted from the bones. And this is kind of interesting because first of all, we thought that the skeleton in general, quite useless, like it holds everything up, but other than that, it's quite an inactive system, is what uh, scientists thought. But now it seems to have, um, they, they now think that it has this other function, and that means that it might have other functions as well. Um, and the other interesting thing about it, uh, and the thing that I like as a computer scientist, is that it's basically, it's a backup system. So uh, one theory from a scientist in Melbourne is that... Um, uh, this is here if your initial fight or flight reflex fails. So if there's something, if you have something wrong with your adrenal gland so that you can't instigate that fight or flight decision-making process, then your bones are there as like a, like a backup. You've oh, I love that. You've done some, you know, you've saved your data. Which goes to show then that stress is so important. We needed a backup for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I also learnt the phrase by reading about this, uh, rest and digest, which is what we're doing when we're not in fight or flight. Nice. Which is definitely a happier place to be. I it's think. a bit like a Netflix and chill. Come and rest and digest. That's yeah. what I think I do nowadays rather than that. All right. And finally, for Mitchell, we have... And finally, uh, the world's loudest male bird bellows at females sitting right next to it. <laughs> <laughs> According to latest research from the Amazon, uh, male Amazonian bellbirds sing an entire song to the people they are trying to woo and then turn directly to them to emit the 116 decibel finale um, directly at the females who apparently sit there unflinchingly and that is part of the mating ritual. Now, I have dated guys like that. <laughs> 
And I just think it needs to stop. It's, it's just unbelievably kind of uh, attention-seeking. I found out whilst I was reading about this that the loudest um, gig that ever happened on planet Earth was in 1972. Uh, it was by a rock band called Deep Purple, which I'm astonishingly too young to remember. And it was... Um, it hit 117 decibels at the London Rainbow Theatre. So this bird is capable of out-singing. <laughs> I'm looking around me for someone who can tell me who's in Deep Purple. We've no idea. There's so, smoke on the water. It's the smoke in the water bar. Yeah, they, 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 can, they can... Presumably one of these boyfriends whose mating call was shouting at you has also badly played the guitar intro to that song. Yeah, Which they is were. why you don't know what it is. You've just blanked it from your memory. I think I've been to that party. Exactly right. These bellbirds weigh 200... What are you shouting, Tim? Ian, Ian Gillen. Ian Gillen, right. Ian well, Gillen. Now you know who they well, are. Well, patch that in as if I knew in the first place. <laughs> the bellbird is called Ian Gillen. What? Okay. But anyway. Where, where did you say this research was done? Was it on the Northern Line? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And... Bellbirds weigh 250 grams. Wow. So that is like, what I want to know really is how is it possible to make that much noise when you're that tiny? Again, Rachel, I mean, you have three children. Yeah, they, they are capable of doing that. Um, the loudest recorded animal is the sperm whale, I also found out, which um, clicks at 230 decibels. That's only. Uh, that's not accounting for size, because the loudest animal on the planet is a water boatman, which makes a noise by massaging its penis. That is true. <laughs> We've all heard that line before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, before we go straight down the... I don't know what. I mean, every episode of this podcast is built around getting that fact in. So we've that's managed true. to do that early, which is good. So that is what's happening right now. That is all the news. Now our experts are going to give us their pitches for what they would like to see in Human 2.0. Before they do, Rachel, they're trying to impress you, so we've got to get to know you a little bit. Can you please tell us what uh, body part of yours needs an upgrade? Uh, my brain, I'm afraid, because I was, I was sad to find out that um, the, the things that cause Alzheimer's disease, the plaques and tangles in the brain, can start forming from a very early age, like 30 in some cases. So I think we need more of a, um, an access hatch somewhere so I can get in there with intracranial pipe cleaners and just do a bit of flossing. Brain flossing, anyone? Um, I don't know whether that's possible. Yes, you do it now. There we are. What I'm basically hoping for, ultimately, is to be adopted by a, an AI super robot who will just... Because apparently we're going to be like cats in comparison to the, the, the level of... Keris is just shaking their head at me in complete disgust. Um, the, the super robots are going to adopt us like... No, they're not going to adopt us. We are going to be like cats in comparison, intelligence-wise. And I want to be a cat for a super intelligent robot. I just want to, basically, them to go around solving all the world's problems and me to have a big question every day, which sunbeam am I going to have a snooze in? I just love That's, the phrase brain flossing. Like, there's going to be a mindfulness app out there right now, which is patenting that as a phrase. So, you've heard you're going to try and impress. Karis, can you please give us your pitch? What would you like to see in Human 2.0? Uh, so, as an information security sort of scientist, I'm quite interested in keeping data safe. Uh, but we all know how terrible passwords are. What were they thinking when they designed those? Absolutely useless. Um, the problem with passwords is that we forget them. Um, and so we come up with silly passwords uh, like 123456. Just looking to see whose accounts I'm going to be able I to hack cleverly, into this evening. Cleverly reversed that. No one ah. will ever think of that one. <laughs> Um, so people come up with silly passwords or they write them down or they constantly forget them. Um, I once uh, had to come up with quite a secure password and I forgot it three times. I had to reset it three times in one day, which is not a secure system, um, which is why a lot of people are very interested in moving to bioinformatics um, and biosecurity, which is where you use things like your eye or your fingers or you could use your ears because we all have unique um, ears or facial recognition uh, 
in order to unlock things like our laptops or our phones or our houses. Um, and these are great because you can never forget your fingers. They are attached to you. Um, but the problem with moving towards this technology is that if someone steals my password, I can reset my password and regain my security. Um, if someone steals my fingerprint, I can't rechange, like I can't change my fingerprint. So what the upgrade that I think that humans need in order to keep at pace with technology is some way of changing um, the unique parts of ourselves that we use for passwords. Okay, um, before we go further on this, you casually dropped in the idea that you can just nick a fingerprint. <laughs> That's a shock. Uh, yeah, me. so if you'd like to steal someone's fingerprint, what you need to do <laughs> is get a glue gun um, uh, or uh, some candle wax or uh, if you can steal and you can use that to take an imprint of someone whilst they're sleeping or if you can nick the um, plastic cover on someone's phone uh, you can dust that, you can get a bit of sellotape you can put that on top of the dust um, and that will create uh, the um, an imprint of the the finger that you can if you, you if you can um, if you can put that on your finger because a lot of these are now sensitive to human warmth um, you have to it has to be attached to a hand but you can use that to hack into like an iPhone um, a there's a team in Germany who like their mission is basically exposing how bad this technology can be and they've shown that you can get past quite a lot of facial recognition technology using photographs that they've gotten off Google, and they broke into the, um, like the German legislature with a, a photo of a, of a member of the legislature that they got do from Google. You, do you know what this group is called? I think we need to link to this. this okay, not off the top of my head, but I will okay, get that. Do you know what's really you're walking around London, I don't know why it is that all the tourist shops seem to like sell Prince Harry face masks. Yeah. That's just asking to be hacked. So let's all do it together. Let's go in mass. We'll make this a bit like... Poor Prince Harry. He's got enough going on. Um, It'd be I, a really, really weird version of the Anonymous Network. I was just it? imagining Rather myself... Guy like, Fox, we're all Prince Harry. We'd have to steal Prince Harry's phone, though, before we can hack into any of it. I think that is going to be the, the tricky yeah. part. Yeah. I'm worried that this podcast episode is becoming too useful to be put <laughs> on the internet now, because people are like, well, now we know how to do all kinds of things. Um, I think you're going to have to host it on the dark web. So, the well, I will, possibly. I'll look, I'll look up, maybe, if there are any dark web podcasts. This could be the niche audience that we're, we've been looking for. Um, so, so what you're saying is, I think, that we... So, so I want to be able to... Ideally, what I want is everyday fingerprints that I touch stuff with. And then when I want to open my phone, just like a little sliding door, maybe, on my finger, and then that changes. Or, like, if I'm using my everyday eyes to look at the world, and then you know how lizards have that second eyelid? Oh, if yeah. I had, like... Like a second eye. So you're I love you that so much. I'm going to put it down a second like eyelid. For and then when I want reasons. to open, yeah. And then when I want to, I just do it then. And then it becomes much harder for people to steal that. Well, you're suggesting, okay, that what we need is more private body parts. So like rather than iris scanners, belly button scanner. Yeah. Or the human tongue is again one of those places that's really distinctive. What if we just have to lick our way into our iPhones? Belly button scanners are no good if you wear dungarees every day. Mm. <laughs> that is the problem. So that's out. Second eyelid, though, brilliant. Yeah. For security purposes. That's on the shortlist straight away. Well, okay, Love okay. it. Actually, what is, uh, what are these Germans suggesting we do if this is technology that isn't? Uh, not do they have an answer? use this technology. Okay. Well, actually, I think that they're so... There are there are lots of groups that operate like this, and their job is basically to expose the weaknesses in systems so that the people who design those systems make them better. And then there are other people who do it to be like, this is ridiculous, we should not be relying on this technology. Okay. Um, so there are like lots of reasons why people might be white hat hackers. Well, do, you ha do you have a, like, a better solution? Like if... if um, okay, as you're yes, saying... Yes, that is why... I am <laughs> on this podcast and not on a private yacht <laughs> right now. Can I just pause on white hat hackers? Is that a good hacker? Yeah. A hacker who hacks for information and transparency. Yeah, for, 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 for reasons that are not criminally motivated. Cool. I like that. 
I'm just writing that down. Where does the phrase white hat come from? Because I've heard it before and it always just sounds a bit like a dunce's hat. So you have the black hat and the white hat. We're sort of like uh, moving into an area that you're going to get a lot of I don't knows from me because I was never cool enough to be part of the like culture. That's why I studied the people who did the, so the people who buy and sell the drugs are not the same people who who make the technology that enables you to buy and sell the drugs. Yeah. I can tell you a lot more about the people who buy and sell the drugs than I can about the people who make the technology. Your hat is just much more interesting than plain white or black. I'm boring it. Okay, is that on the shortlist? Yes, very much so. How ridiculous is it? Is it literally extra eyelid for I, security reasons? I put it down as second eyelid for security reasons. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's very strong. Can we give Kara a huge round of applause? Vanessa, you're up. Can yeah. you beat that? What is your pitch? So, uh, not being biased or in my comfort zone of being in the heart at all. Mine's about the heart. Good. <laughs> but mine's a level, kind of a level up, level down, level up. So every adult should have... I'll try to explain this. Every adult should have a baby's heart. Every adult yes. should have a baby's heart? Yes. And every. babies should have a baby's heart. You mean in our but body? Not physically, like... Okay. Like, in turn, like, your heart is a baby's heart. Can I explain? Yes. <laughs> so, as I was going about the heart attacks, um, babies under six months old, if they have a heart attack, and that has happened freakishly a few times, clinically... They can regenerate their hearts, and it's just no big deal. Their heart goes back to normal. So if we just retained that baby's heart or a baby's brain... We could now, is that, is that the case for most of a baby, actually, that most of it can regenerate when it's under six months, including the heart? Do you know? Oh, I don't know, actually. Yeah. Are they just I, super, I super good at regenerating? So when Solomon case. was like, I will cut this baby in half, he was like, no, seriously, guys, it's just going to regenerate into two babies. <laughs> I think there's a critical mass of tissue you can lose uh, before. Dark web and <laughs> biblical references. Yeah, that's our podcast. The whole yeah. package, everything. So we're saying babies under six months old are like garden worms. Yes. If you cut them in half, they will just become two babies. D no. Don't do, do that. Do not try this. For the love of God, don't try this. Don't even home. try that to a garden worm. It generally doesn't work. No, don't do it okay. to a garden worm either. Babies, okay. who cares? But garden worms. Sorry, I took us off on a tangent, and, and oh, I, I want to get back tangent. to. Yeah. Let's get back to the point, right? So, yeah. so if a baby has a heart attack, yes. its heart will regenerate with yes. no scar tissue. Yes. With real good tissue. Yes. White hat. Tissue. White hat tissue, the best type of tissue. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be allowed to make leaps like that. It's just confusing. Um, we'll cut that bit. So um, they, they, they regenerate their heart tissue and then they can continue and it's all fine. Yes. And we should all have baby's, baby's heart. Now, there's an obvious problem with this. Is it too small? So, yeah. Hmm. So are you saying that, that we should a have a baby-style heart. heart but bigger? Yes. So that it can pump blood. So our baby us. heart stays with us, but it gets slightly bigger, but doesn't become an adult heart. Well, so why does an adult heart become scar tissue regenerate, uh, generating rather than... Why does it do that? They don't really know. There's a, there's a switch that happens at six months where your heart cells go, I'm done, I'm not going not gonna to proliferate, I'm not going to replicate anymore. So, and they've related this to how many nuclei are in the, the heart, okay. each cell. So usually... In baby hearts and zebrafish and any other regenerating animal, they have one nucleus inside their cardiomyocytes or the heart cells. And then at six months old in a human, they just double and they don't split and they have too many nuclei in the heart cells and they just stop re replicating. So, that, so it's just a, it's a group project style yeah, it's like they're ready problem. to, but they just but it's get... like, that one will do it, yeah, so yeah. I don't need to do it. Yeah, and they're kind of complacent and just kind of rest. And they're like, I've done it enough times now, and I'm kind of... It's been six months, and I'm kind of done. And they just can't do it anymore, so they just never replicate again. Very, very, very infrequent. How long do you think we could live for with these hearts? Uh, I think there's still a life, like say for example, zebrafish, they still die of other disease. If, if it's not a heart attack, something else will probably get you. do the job. Well, actually, mm -hmm. to, to that end, if we're talking about things like heart attacks, heart attacks are, per, like, perhaps is one of the reasons why heart attack is a thing that we have so, so commonly, is it, yeah, is it because it is a feature of, of age. Yes. So perhaps in historic humans, we just wouldn't have got to the age where we'd been having heart attacks in right. the first place. And same with Alzheimer's and... 
also some cancers, etc. They're a disease of age. So is it really that the heart hasn't been tested enough as such? It's, it's worked well enough to get you living, but, but not, not in the modern world. It's also not as if a zebrafish also lives like an extremely long time. I don't know why. They, they don't, no one really needs, like, the zebrafish don't have heart attacks naturally. So why can they regenerate, but we can't, and we do have heart attacks. Well, you know, we've been more context here as well, because we've backed it. You've mentioned zebrafish a couple of times yes, here, like sorry. the biggest of zebrafish fans, <laughs> which you obviously are. So, so can you I tell us all... I need to know all... more about this zebrafish. <laughs> I kind of skipped to, yeah, skipped to be there. Well, I, no, I suppose actually I'd like to see, like, why is somebody who studies hearts so interested in a fish? Can yeah. you tell us more about them? Someone, some, at one point, uh, cut part of a zebrafish's heart out and it grew it back. So they can regenerate their hearts as adults as well. They can do this all the way up to their dying day. They can regenerate their hearts. So they retain that ability. I'm always fascinated by this sort of anecdote. Like, yeah. what scientists <laughs> are just going around, <laughs> cutting out bits of hearts, and then they're like blow me down if the zebrafish didn't regenerate as they're standing in a pile of dead zoo animals that they've just slaughtered who have failed to amazingly regenerate. Of course, other, of course most things can't. How do you get the funding for this? I think as a scientist, you're so resilient to failure that you probably could to go through many, many animals and be like, oh yeah, that didn't work. It's okay. Eh, that didn't work. There, there this one did, yay. Once every 400 animals. There is going to be a journal of all the stuff we killed to find this out. Yeah. yeah. This is what worries me. heart doesn't regenerate. <laughs> Hamster heart doesn't regenerate. Your neighbour's cat's heart doesn't regenerate. <laughs> and that's how I got banned from going to London Zoo. Um, okay, cool. So, so they found out somehow that zebrafish regenerate their hearts. And it does appear to be something to do with the nucleus. Yes. So it's the way that it's organized. And many other things, most likely. But there is a, like, a very clear correlation to how many nuclei we have versus a baby and anything else that can regenerate. So, so do we see that in other... Is there other species out there which have like one nucleus per yeah, cell? Yeah, so the zebrafish, the, uh, the newt, uh, and also Mexican cave fish, but only the ones with eyes. Apparently there's some without eyes and they can't regenerate their hearts. There you so. go. Yeah, something about eyes and being young. <laughs> there we go. I've put this down as giant baby hearts. Yeah, let's go with that. For everybody. That's okay. a K-pop band, if ever there was one. It's quite a good name for an album, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that on the short list. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, Vanessa. It's not a second eyelid, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm just happy to have made the shortlist. I, okay, I, I very cool. much doubt I'll win. But. Okay, okay, well, audience, <laughs> can we give Vanessa a huge round of applause? Thank you very much. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And it is over to you lovely people. I'm sure you can come up with suggestions that will put them to shame. They will fight back. You have been warned. Um, my name is Claire, and my pitch is 
balloons in your feet like elephants have so that you can walk around and not get tired. Sorry? (laughs) Elephants have like balloon, I mean not real balloons, but they have like balloon-like things in their feet right above their heels. And you can see it when they walk, it presses down. It's like a thing of air. And so then they can walk around because they're really heavy because they're elephants and then they don't get tired. Their feet don't get tired. So it's, it's not just because just like, I know exactly what you mean. That's a great idea, Claire, um, but it isn't like Nike Air Max. It is it's actually, it's a gel effectively that they have. I think yeah, it's not it's air. It's like built in, it's not air. It's no, a I shock absorber. Balloons isn't a good way. More like those um, flowery balloons. Like a giant can, like, blister. Squeeze. They have giant <laughs> blisters on their feet. Would this mean we could jump higher because you'd have like the air compression? I don't think elephants can jump. Elephants can't jump. You're (laughs) spot on. That is one of the things they're famous for, in fact. I just want to walk around and I don't want my feet to hurt. I want balloon feet. Now, can we have a look at your footwear? I'm not going to cast assertions here. But no, I'm I'm asking this because like uh, you might not know, but I'm from a long line of uh, shoe salesmen. Um, Thomas Watts Shoes and Sports. That is uh, my family business. Or as the people who... um, graffitied it, it was twats, shoes and sports. That is literally what it said on top of our shop. That is actually true, isn't it? That is actually, actually true. true yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. Those are sensible enough shoes. Because actually, is... this is the thing. Is shoes might be the answer here. Because we can. <laughs> I, I know it's not very often you can say the answer is shoes, but like, Simon, we might be able to get the You don't understand. In. You do not understand how good this idea is. But I also think... <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been uh, in Clapham at two in the morning and you're wearing the most ludicrous shoes anyone's ever invented and you need to get home and Uber hasn't been invented yet. Um, but it's horrible and what you need definitely is, is uh, these balloons in your feet, 100%. Or wheels on your shoes. Heelys. Again, it exists. That's not a human... <laughs> body upgrade. That is a trainer upgrade. Or I think you're just not thinking level up human enough. What if inside of our heels we had wheels? Are there many animals out there? My surname would be too ludicrous <laughs> for that. Um, which is Wheelie, in case anyone didn't catch that. Rich um, Wheelie, Healy. Yeah, for personal reasons I'm saying no to heels in your shoe feet. Um, would these air things be like poppable? You know, I, I, I like I cycle, and every now and again, just like a tiny piece of glass. So on the clap in Clapham on two a.m. Two a.m. Those your air bubble feet might pop on the on the dance. Well, that's just what we're pointing out. The elephants, yeah. they, it's not air. It is like a, it's, it's effectively a, like a, a fatty pad. Thing. It's like a fatty pad. Yeah, yeah that's a, you actually. I, I mean, think that's why is fat? fat. Why yeah. do we not have that? Like that seems like a really sensible for people because we have invented wheels. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but how we've really recently invented wheels. My feet used to evolutionarily. Hurt. We didn't have wheels for ages. <laughs> like my feet used to hurt when I walked around, and then I got a bike, and now they don't hurt. <laughs> We're just encouraging laziness here, though. We're just saying don't walk. That's even worse. Oh, well, we've had a we've had a we've Hang had something on. pointed from the audience is that it would wouldn't be fast. Yeah, you might be a lot slower if you had fat pads in your heels. I might be a lot slower if I was slow anyway because I was drunk. So <laughs> I'm, I'm probably putting too much focus on that night in 2008 when I was in Clapham at 2 a.m. But um, so is it's, this, it's very compelling. Is Fat this in the pad. shortlist? Oh, yes, definitely. Oh, wow. Fat well, pad. she's made three. Can we give Claire a Love huge round of applause? Yay. At the end, is there going to be a human that you've made with like. Yeah, we looked into getting our artists we to actually draw one. We don't have the budget for that, but we could make <laughs> one out of plasticine. Um, I mean, the, the vague premise is actually that it will be ritual. Like, that's half the reason that we stab all these things into her as the evening goes on. Yes, we, we have, have a suggestion. suggestion. Please tell us your name and what your idea is. Um, I'm Hannah, and uh, I was just thinking I'd quite like a bit more colour on, on my skin. People put, like, glitter on now. And uh, people dye their hair. Why don't we have a bit more colour? Like, birds have really bright feathers. I'd quite like a bit more colour, that's all. So we're looking for, like, flamboyant genetics. We, we, we need more... You just want a different, like... A, a, like, what are you actually suggesting here? Like, is there going to be whole new levels of racism as we're against all the people who are magenta or something? Like, what is this going to be? 
Um, I wasn't thinking about racism, no. Uh, just maybe, I don't know, I quite like blue. That's quite a good colour. Do you like the blue man grip, though? Uh, I actually haven't seen them perform, but I know of them. But I don't know about all over. Just big, just have a little flare of blue. Like a zebra stripe? Yeah. And there's certain reptiles as well that can just camouflage themselves or like... Or like and, so, and so, 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 so yeah. chameleons, so I think this would be really great because um, chameleons, they change their colour not based on their surroundings but based on their emotions. Mm. And I'm not very good at reading facial expressions um, because people have like the ability to control and trick you with their <laughs> facial expression. But it's much harder to do that if you have like a physiological response. And so what that means is I could have a little color chart, like a mood ring. I'd be like, oh, that person is purple. That means that they are angry because uh, I said that I didn't like their dress. That's good to know. We and then do it would be actually really have that. Helpful for me to, I think it would be useful. useful if you thing. haven't ever seen someone go purple, then you haven't insulted them hard enough. The time will come. You'll find a way. I'm, I'm intrigued about it. Okay, so look, I, I like the idea... Of, oh, actually, hold on. I'm going to come back to you again just because... Because it, it is nice, I suppose, that we have... We have we, we, actually, the, the trouble here is if we're talking about things genetically, actually, none of us can choose kind of the way we look much. We can die... Right, so what you're actually really wanting is more the options, the fact we can change our colours at will. Like buying clothes. Yes. That, that would be fun. So we've invented shoes and clothing <laughs> today. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I don't know if this is true, but I remember hearing somewhere um, that actually the, the term cool, like when you're cool, people who are cool and not cool, we yeah. actually have interpreted that as, you know, when you're embarrassed, like I am right now and my cheeks flush red. I'm, I'm not cool. I'm actually warm. And that's where we get the term cool from, like people who are just cool and can contain their emotions within their skin without looking like they're embarrassed or ashamed. That's who we interpret as people who are cool. Yeah, but, but isn't it funny that we have a language again where you can be both cool and hot and lit at the same time? Well, I still like to be Look, blue instead of red. <laughs> <laughs> Is this going down a horrible semantic cul-de-sac. We are not interested in, in the etymology of words on this podcast. Please see The Illusionist for more information. Um, right, colour. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's fine. Um, uh, I, is I'm it not, on the shortlist? Uh, I don't think it is. It's not specific enough. I don't understand how it works. I mean, I could ask how it works, but I just, I don't know. I'm not... I'm not feeling it. I'm you sorry. It. I'm sorry. Give Hannah a huge round of applause, though, please. Yeah. It's all right. The system is random. It makes no sense. <laughs> Loads of good ideas don't get onto the shortlist. I might fine. cross second eyelid off <laughs> the shortlist for insubordination if this continues. You love so eyelids. You love double eyelids that's, for security. That's what's so upsetting that I love it so you much. I can't. You have too much integrity to do that. You do not understand the strength of spite. <laughs> She's okay. not wearing purple, so I haven't upset We've her got, we've got uh, one, two, three. We've only got three on the shortlist at the moment. Oh, we've there's another, another suggestion. suggestion. Actually, we've got two more suggestions. Maybe we'll take these two suggestions and then we'll have, unless there's more of good quality, you know. <laughs> no Tell pressure. us, please. <laughs> um, do do my name? Yes, please. Yeah, Charlie. Uh, I would like my body to give me, like, better clues, better symptoms, you know, like... You wake up and you feel groggy or your poo's a bit funny and you're like, oh, what was it? Was it the curry? Was it the drink? Was it, I don't know, have I got a virus? Like, or you're running up the doctor and you're like, what's wrong? You're like, oh, this, my head hurts. I'm like, great. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Just some, and your body you mean, giving yes. you better signals so that you can fix yourself more efficiently. So we've got the very bad habit of pretty much fever for everything, yeah, exactly. for instance. Ah, this is, okay, yeah. so right. So I think I'm going to go to you for this, Vanessa, because you understand these things quite well. Why don't we have <laughs> a wider variety of more obvious, I useful like epidemiologies? If it's something to do with like inflammation is a response to some form of infection, those would be relatively generic responses. So you respond with a uh, high fever for several different types of infections. So you won't be able to dis discern whether it's because you ate something funny or whether it's because you, I don't know, you've got like an infection in your skin or something like that. So your, your body has like a blanket 
infiltration or response to certain things. So yeah, you might not be able to delineate that. I'm not sure how you could. <laughs> I'm interested to know in an ideal world what you would get exactly from your body. So say there's 150 things that can be wrong with you today. Uh, what would you would you like emojis? Would you like uh, sort of like uh, LED screen with yeah. some detail? Yeah, like some sort of report card. You know, like in the 1960s Batman, you ask the Bat Machine or whatever it's called. They have a machine. They have a big Bat Machine, and they like, will be called the Bat Machine as yeah. well. Bearing in mind they've got a batarang like, and a bat whatever. Dig, tell me the answer. It pings out this report card, and they're like, "Hey, the joke is here." So I think your answer there is like, okay. So again, today we've invented clothes. Uh, shoes and medicine because <laughs> that's effectively because like, yes you're, you're right it's very hard working out the diagnostics if we're going to give it to a machine that, your, is that called an assay your, your am I right pain, yeah, you could, your pain could be more specialised specialised like a pain. headache or but this is so like I had I had a problem which was somewhere between here and here in my body and so all of that part hurt and so we had to do loads of scans and I spent a lot of time at the doctors um, and it took so long that the thing just went away by itself but if all of the pain was specifically in the place where it hurt then we could have just been like it's there and then that would have been the only place they would have had to look at so like if it's just if you have your body response to something going wrong with you because it hurts Instead of it like all hurting, just the bit that's broken, that would be like a good place to start. You could have different colours of phlegm for the different kinds of infections that you have. Oh yeah, that would be great. Like, at the moment, we only use from white to green. Let's get a bit of purple in there, some orange. Uh, there's a lot more colours. One cough for a lung infection. Exactly. Two yeah, cough. Morse Morse code based <laughs> coughs for what kind of yeah. That would be great. This is becoming a beautiful idea of much complexity, and I like it a lot. So this is on the short this list. Is on, yeah. <laughs> Give Charlie a huge round of applause, Brilliant. please. <laughs> right, ladies and gents, I think we've got to get cracking. But before we finish, uh, I've got a suggestion from Mother Nature. So I, as an evolutionary biologist, I have been looking through for a proof concept among all the animals. And this time, we have... Mucin digesting bacteria. So these are a group of bacteria that we find in our guts and they help break down the mucous membrane. Um, they can, if you've got too many of them, cause problems. If you've got too few of them, they can cause problems. But according to recent research, they've discovered that some of these bacteria produce something which will break down the thing which makes type A blood into type A blood. The reason this is important is it turns type A blood into the universal donor. So bearing in mind if we want to give better blood transfusions, maybe we all need some of these genes to just wipe out type A so we've got a lot more universal donors. What do you think, Rachel? I'm confused about what you're pitching to me. <laughs> um, so so bearing in mind we can nick the genes of these things is the idea, I suppose. All right. As we know that this bacteria can stop, or these, this group of bacteria actually is more than one, can turn type A blood into type O, the universal donor. I've got that right half So I think like the, on the, the type of blood you have is because of the antigens or the proteins sticking out of your blood cells. Yeah. So there's an A and a B and nothing. So O is you have none. So I guess this bacteria has something that breaks down A, the A antigen, so that protein, into nothingness. So then you become a universal donor because you have nothing on your cells. It is that exactly. You've explained it much more eloquently than I ever could. <laughs> That's very interesting, uh, what you've explained there. I finally understand the difference between A, B, and O blood, which I never have before. Um, Actually, well, Robert, does, does, <laughs> do you know right enough when you say spelling? Because I often thought, does this say a lot about my personality? Because I'm A negative. Okay. You know, it just sounds very... I mean, A minus. A minus. Oh. <laughs> My wife is B positive, which is just like, hey, B positive. Yeah. Why, um, why do we have blood groups? I've never understood this. Why bother? Why aren't we all just universal donors and universal receivers? You know, I actually have no idea why we have these particular proteins sticking out of our red blood cells or not. I, I, I should know. I will look it up and let you know and maybe record it on my phone and send it to you to put it in a podcast. <laughs> we will take you up on that. You don't, you don't know what you've just volunteered. We will splice that in and no one will ever know. Yep. 
it'll be it'll be seamless. Um, okay, on the basis that this makes us all able to donate blood to one another. Well, it's, it's not quite everybody. It would remove all all the A. So it actually just means there's many, many more universal donors. I think the A blood group is actually one of the most common ones. Okay. Um, well, okay, it's, it's, it's all right as an idea. I think you should have taken this idea and then said, let's make it so that we can all donate blood to one another. So but, but that's you haven't the... thought it through far enough. No, no nature hasn't. This one doesn't exist. Remember, I, I've got a confine. Don't blame nature. I, it's your podcast. It's the bacteria, not me. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, no, you, it's, it's, not, it's not far-reaching enough. It's, it's, it's off, sorry. Right, good. So, thank you, though. Fine. All right, go ahead. So, you've got quite a long shortlist all the same. We haven't got that long a shortlist. We've only got four on here. We've got Keras's second eyelid for security reasons. We've got Vanessa's giant baby hearts. We've got Claire's um, gel pads for feet. <laughs> which are which are on everyone's feet all the time, which some people don't appreciate and other Compede. people do appreciate. It's called Compede. Compede? Compede. That's the brand that makes the gel pads for feet. Compede. Well, we wouldn't have to buy Compede anymore, would boots. we, if we had Save this? £3.99 boots. Not everyone has access to boots, and I have to think about those people as well in my... It's a huge responsibility that I have on this podcast. I'm not, I'm not trying to bias it, but I've just realised of Karis's one that you could have a security wink. Yeah. You could have a security wink, you could. Um, or the fourth one is um, better signals for problems with your body, uh, which I have written down as purple phlegm. Which is the Prince song that should have been recorded, but, but never was. Um, it's very, very, very hard because basically I like that one and I like Second Eyelid for security reasons and I'm trying to decide between them. Purple Flag um, would be a Tom Waits cover of a Prince song. But Keras keeps undermining my system, so I'm going to have to go for Purple Flag! Yay! <laughs> Can, can we call it Deep Purple Phlegm, just yes. for the podcast? Yes, we can. Deep Purple Phlegm. Deep Purple Phlegm, love it. Charlie, how do you feel about, uh, about you know, basically having this shoved into everybody before they leave this recording? Great. Actually, it's pretty easy. Everybody, before you leave, just eat some beetroot. We're landed, <laughs> aren't we? That'll yeah, it. great. Can we give Charlie Drew a round of applause? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody, that brings us towards the end. Uh, before we go, I do have to do some massive thank you, first of all, to the Barbican for hosting us, to our awesome guests. We've had Vanessa Lowe, we've had Karis Bradley, we've had Rachel Wheelie, and we've had the Physiological Society funding this whole entire thing. Could you please give them and yourselves an enormous round of applause? That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheelie, and supported by the Physiological Society. For more information, go to levelupyoumen.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.